0: Happy Easter. You guys feeling good? You look great. Can I just say it? And by the way, if you're joining us online, so this is the 11 o'clock service. We have 930 as well. We're live streaming this one. So if you're with us, happy Easter. Glad you can join us online. Um, I don't know how you look. Probably not as good as us, but I had to guess. They're probably like in their boxes at home, lounging, eating Doritos, (laughs) worshiping in the spirit, obviously. But you guys, you guys look great. Um, my kids, I, I love how, like, even if you didn't dress up, like, some of you look great every week. Um, some of you need to actually put in a bit more of an effort. I, I'm, I'm going to be real. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't care what you look like. But my kids, they, they, they got into it this morning. My boys came out. My, my wife, my wonderful wife, bought, like, some matching kind of denim shirts for the boys. And Evie's got this cool little denim denim. Jumpsuit that she's wearing. And so they knew, they knew. It's like, dude, we're, we're going to look good this morning. So my little boy runs out, Mama, Mama, where's Mama? I, I need the up and over. I got to have the up and over, uh, which is Judah's way of saying, I need you to do my hair. He's got the up and over <laughs> style. So my boys are looking fly this morning in their Easter shirts. Um, and of course, my wife and daughter are gorgeous as always. And I also look good. <laughs> okay, let's, let's open our Bibles. We're going to go to Luke chapter 24 this morning. If you were here Friday evening, we were in Luke chapter 23. And we focused in on the death of Jesus. It's Sunday now, so we're going to continue the story. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, And he went home marveling at what had happened. What a marvelous tale indeed. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for days like today, for a beautiful morning and a place to gather and to to enjoy one another and to celebrate uh, the day we call Easter, Lord, your life. I pray that you would help us as we reflect Um, Help us to to understand uh, or just to know your heart, Lord, for us um, and how this applies to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. What a marvelous tale indeed. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, uh, God with us, Emmanuel, as we say. God, who so loved the world, came down from heaven, entered into the brokenness, the mess, our mess, and because of his love, died for us. Only he didn't just die. He wasn't just a martyr. It wasn't just a symbolic expression of his love. He, in fact, died and came back to life, thus conquering sin and death. Jesus is alive. What a marvelous tale that is what are the implications what are the implications of course jesus didn't just die jesus was betrayed he was slandered he was wrongfully accused he suffered gross injustice he was abandoned by all of his friends he was tortured Could barely even make it up to the top of that hill, which they called the school where he was, in fact, crucified. Arguably the most excruciating version of human suffering known to mankind. Crucifixion comes from the word excruciato, which is also where we get the word excruciating. Jesus suffered death. Did I impress you guys with my Latin? Probably didn't even say the word right. My point is, Jesus didn't just die. He suffered every human pain imaginable. He suffered temptation. He suffered loneliness. Even as he breathed his last, he cried out, Lord, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken by God for us. Then he was stuck in the grave In three days, just like he promised, he came back to life. What are the implications of that? The resurrection of Jesus is the birth of hope. Because Jesus came back to life, the resurrection of Jesus is more than just a spiritualism. It's more than just a metaphor for a bit of inspiration when your day's kind of hard. The resurrection of jesus isn't just something you say to someone or you think about as like a a, a way to say hey my thoughts are with you. you know that old saying hey my thoughts are with you ah, okay that kind of makes me feel better but that doesn't help me how about my venmo account is with you like that 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 might help But the resurrection is not just something we say to ourselves. It's not just an idea or a spiritual metaphor that's meant to give us a bit of an inspiration or a pep talk. It's an actual fact. It's an event. And the way the story is told, it's not just, hey, here's some interesting fairy tale factoids, believe it or not. The writer is wanting to persuade us This is history that we've encountered. These are real events with real ramifications. This is the birth of Christian hope. And a hope that's substantial. Not just a wish. Not just a bit of optimism. Something that happened in history. So that the follower of Jesus, when life is falling apart. When everything around you is in shambles. When death is imminent when you're suffering disease, when you've lost everything, when your friendships are are in turmoil, when the world seems in chaos, could you imagine what that might be like? Christian hope says that no matter what happens, even in the face of death, the game's not over. Our king conquered death. Jesus is alive. That's that's real hope. That's actual hope. Because Jesus came back to life, not only can we hope, but we can can have courage. We can have courage because for the first several centuries of the Christian faith, the birth of the church, it was commonplace for a follower of Jesus to have to lay down their life, literally, to follow Jesus. Jesus. And it would have been considered a great honor. It wouldn't have been an anomaly. It wouldn't have been even a problem per se. It would have been considered. No, Jesus said to deny myself, to take up my cross and follow him. So that's what I'm doing. But I'm not worried. I'm not living under the, the, the weight of fear. I'm not, I'm not suffering paranoia. I'm not anxious. I'm not overwhelmed by this world because Jesus has overcome this world. Christians historically are known For our courage, no matter what we face in this life, Jesus has overcome the world. Now, you may not feel super courageous all the time, and I'm with you, brother, sister, but it's possible. Because Jesus is alive, we can have courage. It's available. Because Jesus is alive, joy is a reality. One of my favorite Uh, theology professors when I was at seminary um, a number of years ago now in the UK he uh, would describe the church as an eschatological flash mob which even if you don't know what it means it it sounds cool right eschatology is the theological term for like the study of end times and y'all know what a flash mob is right When you're out someplace in the city and all of a sudden like 50 people around you break out into like choreographed dance you ever have you ever actually been in the middle of a flash mob when it happens it's the coolest thing and you're like dang i wish i could be a part of it like this is awesome how did you guys pull this off and like who like where was the cue i missed it and when the church gathers and we remember that our king is alive that no matter what else is going on in our lives we have a reason to rejoice even in the midst of trials It's like this, it's like a flash mob. All of a sudden, the people of God are like erupting in celebration because Jesus is alive. We know how it ends. We know that this isn't the end of the story. Jesus has made a way, he's transcended death. We can have hope, we can have joy, we can have courage, we can be God's eschatological party people. That's the way I like to put it. Because Jesus is alive, Rest is possible. There's a lot of work to be done in the world. To be sure, in fact, Jesus himself said, look, if you're going to join my family, uh, there is work to be done. And in fact, I've prepared good works for you. And I've given you all the grace, you need all of the energy you're going to need to get the job done. If you're adopted into the family of God, you get refrigerator rights, but you're also the one who gets to clean up the kitchen when the party's over. Like the kids of God, we get to participate in the stuff. There's a lot of work to be done. But we work out of a place of rest because we know that the work is finished. Because Jesus is alive, his death wasn't just a gesture, he got the job done. And so we always start from a place of rest. We always go to work from a place of knowing that our king's already done the work for us. Now I get to participate, but not in some sort of a means to impress God or earn his affection or prove to him that I'm worth his time. No, no, the work has been done. He died for me because he loved me. While I was still still dead in my sins, he gave his life for me. So my response is to say thank you, God, and rest in his work. Because Jesus is alive. These are good things, yeah? Resurrection is easy to preach because it's like the best stuff. It's like the greatest hits. Because Jesus is alive, like life is worth living no matter what we're going through. Jesus is alive. Hope is available. We can have courage. We can live in joy. We can rest. Or at least we know these things are possible. To be sure, we all are a work in progress Because Jesus is alive. Hope. Some did not believe. The ladies, um, Mary, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and the others, they went to the tomb. Uh, They had the spices and the burial supplies to... Um, I don't know, whatever you did with bodies in the first century to preserve. And you can only imagine what the, the mourning that they had already gone through Friday night, all day, Saturday. Now it's the, the break of dawn on Sunday. And they were going prepared to see the body. Probably would have mutilated. What did they see instead? An empty tomb. Oh, and two angels in dazzling apparel. They didn't see Jesus, but they saw the empty tomb, and they believed so much so they ran back to headquarters, and they were like, He's alive. He's alive. We don't know where He is. We haven't actually seen Him, but the tomb was empty, and angels told us, Jesus is alive. But they didn't believe. Now, Peter, to his credit, He was like, I got to check this out. So Peter jumps up, sprints to the tomb. We're told elsewhere that John joined him. Apparently there was a bit of a foot race. John won. We're told that explicitly in the Gospel of John. (laughs) Super cheeky. And they get there and he looks into the tomb. He sees the burial cloth set aside. No, Jesus. We're not told like so his conclusion. We just know that Peter went and he saw for himself that in fact, The tomb was empty and he went home marveling at what had happened it would seem that there was a a, a bit of a journey that the disciples were on not everyone believed what about you where are you at do you believe do you really do i it's it's a serious question You, you can tell if you really believe something based on how you live your life. Say it's what Jesus uh, he called it fruit. It's a metaphor, fruit. If you're an orange tree, you grow oranges. What kind of fruit are you growing? Do you believe? There's a, there's a process to believing. You know, one of the things that I love about the Bible, that it's a, most of the Bible is actually written in narrative form. And there's some other genres that are, that are used, but but literally the majority of the Bible, is it's narrative. We're being told the story of God, but the way it's told, we're constantly being invited into it. Anyone remember that movie, uh, The Never-Ending Story from the 80s? Okay, raise your hand so that I did this. I'm like telling the story and I'm like getting all these blank looks. Okay, so the, the, most of us in the room have never seen this movie. So I won't, I'll move on. The, the story in this movie, it's about this kid and he's reading this story and as, as it's unfolding, he realizes that he's actually being invited into the story. Like, he has a part to play. Um, there's like a dragon, guy named Atreu and the nothing, etc. cetera. So, I mean, it's, it's one of these movies, you saw it as a kid, it was epic, but then watch it as an adult. It's not it's quite so great. The, the dragon's super weird. <laughs> we get invited into the story. And then, as we're invited into the story, like we're, we're challenged along the way. One of the other things that I like about the story of God, the, the scriptures, is that it's, they're very non discriminatory. Like, no matter who you are, where you're coming from, like you're going to be encouraged and offended all in the same chapter. Depending upon where you're at, where your head's at, where your heart's at, you might be at a place in life where you feel like, I'm not worthy. I don't have hope. And the fact that you're telling me I'm supposed to have hope only affirms the fact that I'm not worthy. I'm obviously doing something wrong. And you might come into a meeting like this and feel nothing but judgment and condemnation. You might read the the bit of the story where there's a woman, maybe maybe you've heard this, this is one of the classic Jesus stories. There's a woman who's been caught in adultery, like in the act. And the leaders of the, the synagogue, the, the religious elite they, they, elite, they find her. They drag her out into the public place. And they're ready to stone her to death because the law would have required it. And they're all standing there. And this woman's obviously broken. It's easy to imagine the scene. And then Jesus walks up. And they say, well, what, what do you say? What do you say? They're testing him, obviously. And he has nothing but compassion for this woman. He says, Well, whoever is without sin, let him be the first one to go. Go ahead. Do your worst. Throw your rock. And it says, One by one, they dropped their stones and walked away. Have compassion on this woman. And maybe that's you. Maybe you relate with the woman. You feel like, Man, I deserve death. You don't have to remind me of how I messed up my life. I live under the weight of shame every waking moment of my life. Jesus invites you into his story and he says, I've got a a different uh, perspective about your life. I died to take your shame away. I died to give you a new life. I died to bring you home and to remind you how valuable you are in God's eyes. Keep reading eventually you'll find Jesus in some kind of a conflict with uh, usually the, the religious experts, those who are really good at morality, who are, they would never get caught in adultery. They might do it all day long in their hearts, but they know how to keep up appearances. And they thought that they had it all figured out until Jesus would, of course, come along and he'd confront them. And he'd say something like, you think that just because... You're the quote-unquote sons of Abraham that you're entitled to your place in the kingdom of God. You who would dare to presume upon the kindness of God. Let me tell you something. Wrath is waiting for you. You think you're better than the woman who got caught in sin? You think you're better than the tax collector standing on the other side of the church who feels condemned? You think that because you figured out the religious game that you impress God, you don't, and you're going to hell unless you repent, because there's grace for you as well. But it's this like extreme sort of like jolting contrast as you, as you follow Jesus through the narrative, and it's the same way with this journey of, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus actually conquered death? Does your life uh, demonstrate that belief? It could be scary to to have that sort of honest conversation with yourself. If we keep reading uh, the story, after Peter returns and he's pondering these things, immediately we're transported to a dirt road in the countryside where a couple of uh, disciples are walking to a town called Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And they're discussing the events. Uh, They had heard the report, Jesus is alive, so they say. I don't know, haven't seen him yet, not sure. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Let me read it to you, about seven miles from Jerusalem. and They were talking to each other about all these things that had happened While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. How about that? Jesus joins them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. So they're walking along, processing you believe i don't know the ladies believe i think peter believes i don't know what do you think is he alive could it be i thought it was just like this metaphor like i'm gonna come back to life like did he actually i don't know and then jesus joins them and he engages them in the process he asked he asks them a question classic jesus he asks them a question he 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 draws them in he begins to process with them what are you talking about what's going on who what who died oh yeah no i think i heard something about that what he's alive you don't say and so they keep talking about these things what things jesus says so they explain to him Yeah, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. We thought he was the Messiah, but the leaders executed him. now I don't know what to think. So Jesus keeps walking with them. And look what it says in verse 24. It says, some of those who went with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, get this, O foolish ones, Oh, slow of heart to believe. What is it about our hearts that perhaps make it difficult for us to believe? Or maybe we believe some things, maybe not other things. And this isn't like either you believe or you don't believe. I want to make this point. This is really important. Um, What Jesus doesn't do is say, look, I'm alive, so do you believe me or not? yes or no go in or out i think sometimes we would like to think that that's how jesus approaches us like we're very binary like that okay either yes or no you choose and sometimes it's a little easier that way because if we want to say no we can reject jesus justify it rationalize it and move on i read a book listened to a podcast had this experience so no i'm out moving on Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus engages us, and he begins to have a conversation with us, and he begins to talk to our hearts and describe our hearts to us. And he says, slow of heart, slow of heart. Where are you at? What's going on? Why don't you believe? The question isn't whether you believe or don't believe. Okay, this morning... Regarding resurrection. Regarding the implications of resurrection. The question isn't, do you believe or don't believe? The question is, are you willing to believe? We read that eventually um, they get to a point in their little journey on the road where we're told it it was getting late. And so Jesus acts like he's going to keep walking. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Jesus it's getting late, you know, it's going to be dark soon, I'm, I'm going to, I'm ahead, I'm going to keep going. It's, it's actually, I don't know if you recall, um, we started a series of teachings a few weeks ago, about a month ago, called Life in the Spirit, and when we started this, the series, we looked at the gospel according to John, and I love the way John tells the story, because in the very beginning, there was two men who met Jesus on a dirt road, and they began to follow him, and jesus noticed that they were following him and so he turned around and he says what are you seeking and then they said jesus where are you staying that was their response where are you abiding and jesus said why don't you come and find out come and see so jesus invites them to come and spend the evening with him at his place we're also told that eventually when it got a bit late the disciples decided they were just going to stay They're like, hey, Jesus, like, it's getting late. You mind if we crash on your couch or whatever people crashed on in those days? And so they stayed with Jesus. This time, on the other side of the cross, it's the same scenario that two people following Jesus, walking down the dirt road, only this time, Jesus fakes like he's going to keep going because it's getting late And he gives them the opportunity to invite him over. And there comes a point in the journey where where Jesus will invite us. He'll say, I want you to come and see where I'm staying. Come and experience life with me. Come and abide with me. Spend the night. Let's, Let's eat together. Let's experience life together. Then as we go, Jesus wants to know, well, where are you at now? Do you want to keep? Do you want to go further? Do you want to see how far this goes? Because I, I can, I can roll on. I can, we can part ways here if you'd prefer just to sort of go about your life or your business or whatever it is you're believing or not. I can roll on. What do you want to do? And they urge him strongly. No, Jesus, like, dude, we got we, whoever you are, whatever's happening right now, we got to take this further. Like, we got to figure out who you are because something is happening in our hearts. And if we were to put ourselves in the story, which I think we're invited to do, it it begs the question, where are you at? Have you been following Jesus? Have you been checking him out? Have you been asking yourself questions? Is he really alive? I don't know. I don't know if I believe. I don't really live like it, but I want to believe. I'm willing to believe. Lord Jesus, help my unbelief. And then he gives us the opportunity. All right, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You want me to come over? Shall we break bread together? Shall we look at the scriptures together? Tell me me what you want to do. What do you want to do? Where are you at with Jesus? What's your life look like? To whom do you look to for hope do you live in courage do you know of joy would you like to do you want more and this isn't just a question for like the the, the non-christian as if there's this like split in the room either you're, you're you're a christian or not this is for everyone because we're all on the dirt road it's just a matter of like how much further do you want to go for some you might need to take that first step we've been talking about baptism baptism next sunday we have have at least one person who's going to get baptized there might be some of you in here who are like man I, i think maybe i need to do that Maybe I need to take a, a first and very, very bold step and actually surrender my life to Jesus. I don't even know what that means. But I, I I've tried everything else. I want to try Jesus. I'm gonna surrender my life to Jesus. But perhaps we're sitting in a church, most of us are Christians, and so the real question is are you ready to go further? I love how A.W. Tozer put it in his uh, book, The Pursuit of God. He said, to have found God and yet to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified and happy experience by the children of the burning heart. Justified and happy experience. With the children of the burning heart where the story ends they sit down with the meal they, they invite jesus to come in and they sit down over a meal meals are great meals are slow meals are messy meals are vulnerable and they sit down over a meal and it says that jesus breaks the bread in the moment their eyes are open they realize it's him oh my gosh he's alive and and he vanishes and they begin to talk and they said did our our hearts not burn within us as we walked on the road to Emmaus where are you at I want to leave us in a slightly awkward place this morning It's resurrection Sunday, so I kind of feel like we're supposed to end with joy. We will, we will, don't worry. We're gonna sing, we're gonna worship, it's gonna be awesome. But in this moment, right now, right this second, I want I wanna just sort of leave us here. Do you believe? Do you really believe? Jesus would invite you to to surrender more of your life, to experience him in ways you perhaps have never done before, what's oh, it's a radical life. I'm on the journey. I certainly have not arrived, but I'm on the journey, and it would be amazing if we could all go a little further together, trust Jesus in new ways. Pray together more. Laugh more. Rest together more. Group naps. Yeah? Some of you are like, God, yes. With the newborn. Can we stand together, please? Worship team, would you join me up front, please? As we worship um, in song, as our team leads us, I just want to invite you to reflect. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Spirit of Christ is with us now. And in moments like this, this there's an opportunity just to to quiet yourself. And who knows, maybe maybe you'll feel that, that burning in your heart. There might be a specific area of your life where Jesus is saying, Surrender that. Confess that sin. Or acknowledge that shame and then let me have it because I want to set you free. I want to heal you. But as we worship together, um, obviously you could sing. It would be great if we all sung, but, but be listening. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart.